Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You know, I listen to Bickley and Murata. Terrific show, by the way. I really enjoy it. Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. Dan Bickley. Sportsman. Sports. Vince Morata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Morata. Spectacular. Bickley and Morata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bickley and Morata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Good morning. Happy Wednesday. Val- Wednesday. Happy Monday. <laughs> Valley sports fan. Why did that come out of my mouth? Normally wow. it's me who screws up the days. Holy smokes. What an unforced error that is. Let's rewind that ferret. Start the show. <laughs> Happy Monday, everybody. Thank you. This is one of the great intersections of sports and calendar. It always is. The Monday leading into the Masters. The Monday that has the NCAA title game. Mm -hmm. The Monday that's leading into your baseball team's home opener. We got it all this week, folks. Yeah, the first Monday of the baseball season. Yeah, I guess that would be actually accurate. The home, stretch, of that. home stretch of the NBA and the NHL. Yeah. It's all yeah. going on, baby. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I'm going to do something today after the show. I think I, uh, I shared this with you, Vinny. I'm actually going to go and, and, and put actual um, U.S. currency on the dream I had of Phil Mickelson winning the Masters. Are you really? Just because. Wow. It might, it might only be like five bucks. But I just, I can't live my, what happens if, what if that was a message from the golfing gods to me that came to me in REM sleep? Wouldn't that be weird? It would be very weird. Wouldn't it be even weirder it was, if it wasn't Phil Mickelson, if it was just some random dude? Yeah, yeah, listen, and again, it, 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 you talk about nightmare fuel, Phil Mickelson winning the Masters is the last thing I want to see. Last thing I want to see is a live golfer winning the Masters. Yeah, but if you do that, talk about the conflict you'll see for two, maybe four days. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> People are already saying Augusta could set records for, um, for golf television ratings if they could broadcast the Champions Dinner this year. Oh, That yes. would be interesting. Because you think all the smoke that's going to be in that room because oh, there is no They cameras? allow smoking? They are smoking. <laughs> Rory McIlroy is going to throw hands. He might. You know he will. He might. <laughs> Phil's going to walk in with that, you know, that little grin on his face. He's going to be wearing all black like the villain that yeah. he's become. Yeah. yeah. Leather yeah. jacket yeah. in yeah. April. All that stuff happening. And we got to play. And we got the last season of the last week of the NBA regular season happening this week as well. A lot of stuff to get into. A lot today, of baby. shuffling still to occur, and a lot of ramifications yeah. for what's going to face the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, indeed. All right, let's get this thing started, Jarrett. The splash, splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The splash. Animal. 
The Splash, brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Suns won their fifth straight, 128-118 over the Oklahoma City Thunder. Kevin Durant, 35 points, including 13 in the fourth quarter to lead the Suns. KD also had a huge chase-down block shot on Shea Gilgis-Alexander with under two minutes to go. That preserved a Suns seven-point lead at the time. Devin Booker added 22 points and 10 assists. DeAndre Ayton, 19 points, 11 rebounds. Suns now 6-0 and with Durant on the floor. And they extend the longest current winning streak in the league and move their record to 43-35 and in the process. Suns now with just four regular season games remaining, including three at home, which is where they will be tomorrow night, hosting the San Antonio Spurs at Footprint Center. Yeah, and the way it looks now, the Suns are very firmly ensconced. That word again? Yes. As the number four seed, the real question I think is who is going to jump up to be number five? Yeah, because you get a tie right now between Golden State and the Clippers. And both of those. And teams. the Lakers are coming right up behind them. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. It's going to be an interesting final week. Sunday in the NBA, Portland's B squad was a 19 and a half point underdog on the road in Minnesota in a big game for the T Wolves, but the Blazers shocked them 107 105. It was the biggest point spread upset in the in 30 years in the NBA. Yeah, told you, can't trust that team. Did you see what Carl Anthony? Towns did yesterday? I did not. He took three shots. Three shots in a game that his team absolutely needed. He took three shots. Okay. Uh, Atlanta handed Dallas another uh, loss, 132-130 to 130 in overtime. Dallas still a full game out of 10th with three games to play. San Antonio surprised Sacramento, 142-134 in overtime. You mentioned the Lakers, Bick. They routed Houston, 134-109. to Anthony Davis had 40 points and, by the way, twisted his ankle on Friday night and then came back in the next game and scored 40. What is happening? Uh, like a meteor hurtling towards Earth. Yeah, right? Uh, yeah, so, so again, this is getting very interesting. Yes. Giannis had 33 and 14 for Milwaukee. They beat Philly 117 to 104. And Denver, again playing without Nikola Jokic, beat Golden State 112 to 110. The Warriors now 9 and 30 on the road this season. College Hoops. NCAA championship game tonight at NRG Stadium in Houston between the San Diego State Aztecs and the Connecticut Huskies. SDSU making its first ever appearance in the final after Saturday's victory over Florida Atlantic, highlighted by Lamont Butler's buzzer-beating jumper. UConn, which has beaten its five opponents in this tournament by an average of 20.6 points per game, looking for its fifth national title and first since 2014. Tip-off tonight, 620 on CBS. And if you're a big Jim Nance fan, make sure you tune in because this is it for him. The swan song for Jim Nance. Uh, as a Not as a golf announcer, as Just a basketball as a, as a, as a, basketball as a final announcer. four announcer. Yes. yes. Uh, the LSU women's basketball team won its first national championship. They beat Iowa 102-85 in Dallas on Sunday. Jasmine Carson came off the bench to lead LSU with 22 points. Caitlin Clark had 30 in the loss for Iowa in a uh, game that, wow, everybody's talking about still. Social media blew up over that well, game. Well, listen, I, I would I would suggest that over the weekend, the women's game was bigger than the men's game. Yes. That's what I would suggest. Yes. I would suggest that, that, that the mania and the hype around Caitlin Clark from Iowa took women's basketball to a place I've never seen it before over the weekend. I would agree with you. I, right. would, I would say for the whole tournament, too. This is one of the best women's tournaments we've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. yeah it is. Uh, you know, 
and complete with upsets. And mm-hmm. you know, South Carolina finally losing a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, D-back scratched out a 2-1 win over the Dodgers to earn a series split in L.A. Jake McCarthy's bunt single scored Lourdes Goriel in the uh, ninth inning with two outs to provide the lead. Then Andrew Chafin and Scott McGuff combined on a 1-2-3 ninth for the win. Zach Davies, very, very good in his first start of the year. He allowed a solo home run in the first to Will Smith, but that's all he allowed in five innings. And then Kyle Nelson, Castro, Chafin, and McGuff combined on four innings of no-hit baseball. D-backs moved down to San Diego via bus, apparently. Get their first look at the Padres at Petco Park. Ryan Nelson gets his first start of 2023, taking on Padres lefty Ryan Weathers. First pitch, 640. Pre-game coverage starts yeah. at 6 o'clock. And, and that was, you know, an interesting weekend for the Diamondbacks. That, that was the first time they didn't lose a series in Los Angeles in five years. Mm-hmm. They didn't always look that good. They didn't do much offensively, but they walked, runs. they walked out with a split. So that's a victory for yep. this baseball team. And have we seen the end of Madison Bumgarner? Yeah, that's, that's uh, the, the other question. story. He was sent back to Phoenix to undergo test on his pitching arm after a rough first start Saturday night against the Dodgers, in which he gave up five runs and four innings of a 10-1 loss. Bumgarner's velocity was down Ugh. about two miles per hour on most mm-hmm. of his pitchers. Told reporters after the game that he didn't feel great. They're uh, checking him for fatigue. Yeah, oh, I think by I, fatigue. His new nickname um, is not Mad Bum, it is Meat Bum. I'm coining him that today. <laughs> meat Bum. As in Meatball. As in Meatball. <laughs> Or is in meat. It's a combination of both. Yes. Right? Coyotes in After action. After my trip to uh, Fogo de Chao, I had a bit of a meat bum. Oh, Jared. Oh, Jared. Come on. Coyotes in action. So I'll just move on. That uh, is they're gross. in Seattle to face the Kraken. Unleash the Kraken. Uh, looking to snap their seven game losing streak. Face off 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage starts at 6 30 on the Arizona Sports app and ESPN 620. And the Boston Bruins beat the St. Louis Blues in overtime 4 3. Win number 60 on the season. The Bruins become just the fourth team in NHL history to reach that mark. They join the 2018-2019 Lightning, the 95-96 Red Wings, and the the 76-77 Canadiens. They have five games left and still a chance to eclipse the all-time record of 63 wins. Mm. Nobody's ever reached 63. The Bees can do it. There you go. There's your splash for Monday. Forgot to mention WrestleMania. Shut up, Jerry! I thought this was no. a sports show. Well, more importantly, uh, the com- Endeavor bought WWE and UFC and WWE are now merging into one giant $22 billion company. Thank you, Jared. There Thank you, go. you, Jared. That's big news. Jared got excited about Maybe something. Maybe they're hiring, the Jared. Ow! <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go home. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Where was I? Oh, yeah, that's the uh, splash that's for that's Monday, not, not Wednesday. Uh, Suns get a win on the road, and OKC still undefeated with KD. We'll get into it next. It's Pickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. Into the forecourt. Gets to the right elbow. Swings to Durant. Another left corner three. Good again for KD. Everyone who doubted him is asking for forgiveness. If you ain't being a part of it, at least you got to witness. 112-106. Suns by six. 32 on the night for KD. 
John Bloom on the call from Oklahoma City. A fourth quarter show put on by uh, Kevin Durant. Three point game at that point with five minutes to go. He hits the uh, hits the corner three, which somehow he got open a few times in the fourth quarter. Mm, and that's three, a call I don't think Al McCoy has ever made. I don't think so either. Uh, <laughs> three threes in the fourth quarter. Durant finishes with 35 points. Suns get another win, a 10 point win over Oklahoma City. They've won five straight. They're six and zero with Kevin Durant. It's not where it needs to be, yeah. but it's getting it's, it's it's trending in that direction for the Suns. Yeah, no, I I definitely think it's trending in that direction for the Suns because again, this formula that that Kevin Durant and the Suns are using for winning, it, it's neither awe inspiring or breathtaking. It's just machine like, and Kevin Durant over the weekend was machine like. Mm-hmm. And and he was that way on Friday when Sarah and I were actually at the game together. It was that it was that way yesterday in Oklahoma City. That that to me is is again the golden ticket here for this basketball team. They've they they've got a couple of lockdown NBA assassins, and it's the best formula to get yourself to a title. And 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 it's all converging now. It's all happening. Yep. Here was uh, Kevin Durant on everything that went right for him and uh, his return to OKC. Just- being more patient, um, getting to the spots that I want to get to, you know, being stronger with the handle, um, just playing a slow down game, you know, playing playing an athletic position. I think. I mean, first game I played um, against Minnesota, I wasn't in an athletic position a lot, so I just try to get down low as I can and be aggressive, and I was able to get some good shots to go down. Here was KD on hitting uh, the big threes late. Yeah, just, that's just good basketball. I mean, I was expecting us to play good ball, make an extra pass. Um, sometimes I'm not expecting my defenders to leave me like that, but um, CP can make any pass on the, on the floor, and he was able to find me there. So it's on me to finish the shot and, and, and you know, uh, follow through my fundamentals and really to knock a couple down. Yeah, Kevin Durant and I had the same reaction to those plays. It's like, how do you leave that guy wide yeah. open in the corner? Right. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> and great job by Chris Paul to find him on a couple of those. Chris mm-hmm. Paul had five assists in the fourth quarter. Kevin Durant scored 13 points, played the entire fourth quarter. And another thing I found interesting about that pick, Devin Booker didn't score in the fourth quarter, didn't even take a shot in the fourth quarter. That was just like something mm-hmm. they had to lean on if they needed to. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I thought Devin Booker yeah. played a pretty good game yesterday. Yeah, it's the beauty of, uh, beauty of having two of oh, these guys. It is. And so, uh, yeah, look, it, the, the thing now to me, it's there's been a couple of times this season when, when things seem to have gotten dicey due to injuries. The Suns, to their credit, have really kind of held on to what they've had. And here they are now with a week left to go. They're pretty much ensconced in that four seed, which means they're going to have home field, home field, home court advantage in the first round playoff uh-huh. series. Whoever that happens to be against, there's going to be some potential nightmare scenarios. There's a couple of not so nightmare scenarios. The important thing for this basketball team is just to kind of get sharper and sharper and sharper. Uh, they look really good in the first half Friday night against Denver. They got real lazy and sloppy, obviously, and coughed up a gigantic lead and, and had to kind of reel that game back in. Yeah, and that then, second half was yeah, pretty gross. Yeah, pretty gross. And so that, but, but yesterday was a much different looking game. It was just a game where Kevin Durant made it just look easy. And that's that's him at his best. You know, he's seven feet tall with great wingspan. He shoots the ball at the top of, you know, mm-hmm. his head. Uh-huh. And so it's yeah, he, he can get a shot off against anybody. And I, I, I'm I'm really curious to see what this is going to look like. They're unbeaten with Kevin Durant, and yet. The, the, the sum of those games, the level to which they might impress you would vary. 
But you can't argue with 5-0. and oh. No, you can't. Uh, not at all. Uh, Kevin Durant also made a huge defensive play in the last two minutes of the game after a turnover by Devin Booker. It looked like Shea Gilgis-Alexander had a dunk. Durant hustles back on defense, gets the chase down block. Uh, and it was a big play. It was a seven-point game at that point uh, with two minutes left. That, that's not an insurmountable lead. Anything can happen in the NBA. Monty Williams talked about how that changed the momentum for the final two minutes of the game. Amazing. It was the, one, of the, one of those momentum-changing plays. Um, and I, I learned that phrase here with Billy Donovan. He, he always talked about momentum-changing plays. And that was, I don't know what the difference in the score was, but they, they had some momentum. Um, but that play, it, it's almost like um, the play against Kyrie in Dallas. You know, Kyrie has a free lane to the basket, and Kevin comes out of nowhere and blocks it with his left hand, I think. So we're just, you know, I've said this before about him. He He's more than an offensive player. It's just that his offensive is so great, sometimes you forget about his defense. Yeah, and kind of going down that road, now we've seen six games of Kevin Durant in the Suns uniform, and I'm not going to insult you and say – what and ask you the question, did you know he was this good? We knew he was this good at basketball. The guy's one of the all-time greats. Mm -hmm. But is there an aspect of watching Kevin Durant for six games that has been a little bit eye-opening for you? Because I have one. Okay, good. For for me, it's passing. Yeah, the unselfishness. The unselfishness, uh, his his court vision, Mm -hmm. his ability to split defenders with passes um, is, is... is pretty remarkable. Yeah, his willingness to pass is what's remarkable to me, um, and and I think that it, it's 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 a really good reflection of him as a basketball player and as a person that he doesn't have that that innate scores greed, if you will, that that he has to be the guy scoring thirty plus a game, that he has to have X amount of shots every night. There are players who are like that. You know that very well. Mm-hmm. He's uh, it, 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 that's not how he's built, and I think it's that's why that is. I think the number one reaction for most people is what they're surprised about is is how seamlessly he blends in, and then when you explore why, it's because of that. Yes, it's because he just blends into whatever offense you are running, rather than him coming in saying, "Now you are running the Kevin Durant offense." And all of it uh, through a game where he played a lot of his career in Oklahoma City and got booed every time he touched the ball. Mm -hmm. Here was KD on that. I mean, I understand it. You know, it's uh, I meant so much to the community and just for me to leave like that. Early on, I didn't get it, but I I get that NBA team is a part of your community. A player is so entrenched in your community. Uh, You know, you feel closer to them. So I get it. I mean, it's still emotions. It's still some people who... don't like that I left this, this franchise, but it was more love this time than it has been in the past. So uh, I just focused on that. Um, I had so many, so many great memories here, so many people I met that just changed my life, changed my view on life. So I'm forever be grateful to be a part of this organization. Yeah, early on I was like, wow, they're still booing him after all this time. And then mm-hmm. I thought about it more, and I'm like, yeah, if I was a Thunder fan, I'd probably still well, have was... a little bit of uh, ire towards Kevin Durant, no doubt. Well, it was interesting because Monty Williams after the game, and Monty Williams was an assistant coach in Oakland. Oklahoma City said he doesn't understand why they're still booing him. And after the game, KD said just the opposite. I totally understand. <laughs> KD's taken on a, a, a he, KD would not have answered that question like that three years ago. There was a time in Kevin Durant's life when that kind of question and that kind of reaction would have would have kind of created a bristling response. Um, I, I noticed a market change in Kevin Durant, to be honest with you, and and not that I was watching him that closely before, but for a while he really did seem to be okay. I'm I'm just I'm the villain. Everyone's uh-huh. gonna hate me, 
And I, I don't know whether it's the vibe in Phoenix. I don't know whether it's just the fact that he gets to hit reset with a different bunch of teammates. Different vibe coming off the guy. Different vibe entirely I, from what I can from what I remember of him. I totally agree, and I don't know if it's the newness of all, or it's just the weight lifted off his shoulders, and he's happy to be here, and that's coming through, and, and his demeanor, and you know they're winning games. That has a lot mm-hmm. to do with it too. Suns will be back home to take on the Spurs tomorrow night. Coming up next, the D backs somehow, some way, got a split in L.A. over the weekend. D backs daily is straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Akchin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. D backs daily. Brought to you by the Arizona Department of Health Services. The first step to help is three numbers away. Call, text, or chat 988 to access the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Yeah, final game of a four-game set in L.A., Dodgers and D-backs. Dodgers took two of the first three, and yesterday things got off to a uh, good start for the Dodgers in the bottom of the first inning when Will Smith pretended he was at the Oscars and the baseball was Chris Rock. 1-1 high, fly ball, left field corner. Is it fair? Carroll giving chase. It is off the pole. Will Smith, his first home run of the season. Dodgers at the bottom of the first. Yeah, uh, Chris Garagiola on the call there in the Diamondbacks radio network. It would stay there, one nothing for a while. Quiet uh, offensive game. The pitching settled down. Syndergaard was great for the Dodgers. Zach Davies settled down for the uh, Diamondbacks. Score would remain the same until the top of the fifth with Geraldo Perdomo. Syndergaard ready. He's 1-2. Hit in the air. Right field line. That's a fair ball. Carroll scores. We're tied at one. Now Perdomo stretching for two. And he is in there with a head first dive. RBI double. Yeah, 1-1 one, one there. Corbin Carroll set that up, getting on base and then stealing two bases. <laughs> yeah, on successive pitches. If you ever wanted a, a, a primer to modern-day baseball, that's it. Yeah. The stolen the stolen base numbers in baseball are remarkable after they, one week. They are way up there, certainly. 1-1 one, one would last that way until the ninth inning. Diamondbacks had stuff cooking in the seventh, and the eighth couldn't convert. But in the ninth, they were cooking again, and this time cashed in. Now he drops a bunt down first base side. Gratterall tries to glove it. But he missed the ball. One run scores. Carroll to third. And the Diamondbacks take a 2-1 lead in the ninth. What a play. What a play. Yeah, vintage Jake McCarthy there made it 2-1. Back down to the uh, bullpen now for the bottom of the ninth. And there's always a lump in your throat when it comes to protecting leads based on last year. But first, Andrew Chafin and then Scott McGuff getting it done. A 1-2. Ground ball to first. Walker has it. He will toss to McGuff at first. In time. Ball game over. And the Diamondbacks win it 2-1, to one, and they come into L.A. and split the four-game set. Yeah, again, uh, Chris Garagiola, Tuffy Goeswitch on the call on the Diamondbacks radio network. And you look at the numbers and you're like, how? How in the world how did that, that happen? Possible? I totally You agree. mentioned it. Uh, first time in five years the D-backs don't lose a series in L.A. They don't win it either, but to settle for a split and the two wins they scored four runs. They scored six runs for the entire weekend. You'll take that and move on. Oh, without a doubt. If you come home for your home opener and you're sitting there at three and three, that's a victory. Uh, I, there was a, a, a very, very real fear that if this baseball team wasn't ready to compete, 
that they could be 1-9 after 10 games, with 8 games against the Dodgers, 2 against the Padres. This is also a different Dodgers team than we've seen in recent years, I'll say that much. Uh, they're not real happy with what went down over the weekend, probably because, you know, their their payroll and their standards and their expectations, they do not like... They do not like losing the Arizona Diamondbacks. No. Um, so I, I, I think this is a very um, a very fortuitous way to begin the season. I'm not sure they played well enough to be 2-2 two and two against a prime opponent like that, but no. whatever. Again, you look at it in seven runs, mm-hmm. uh, 25 hits in four games. They batted 197. Their on-base percentage was 214. So the offensive numbers are not there. Then you mix in. You know, uh, an uncharacteristic rough start for Zach Gallen in the opener. Mm-hmm. Madison Bumgarner gets clubbed and, and, and they get beat up on, on Saturday night. All of these things, none of them should should indicate a, a two and two split. Uh, but going back to yesterday, Tori Lavello, the manager of the Diamondbacks, on Jake McCarthy and what went down with that bunt single. And that mm-hmm. was, again, you talked about. If you want a primer for modern-day baseball, if you want an advertisement for what to expect from the Diamondbacks, especially in 2023, mm-hmm. that bunt single by Jake McCarthy for the for the tie-breaking run was that advertisement. And uh, Lavello says that was a Jake McCarthy decision. Yeah, I thought it was, um, it was obviously a very risky play, but... Our players work on those little parts of the game. We pride ourselves on that. And, um, you know, there's a difference between a win and a loss. And, you know, clearly he saw something. Um, and it, everybody was wondering if I made the call on that. I did not. Those are instinctual plays. And I opened the door for these kids to execute on that level. When they see something, we practice it a lot, and they're ready to take advantage of it. And here was Tori on uh, splitting the series despite getting very little offense. You know, we, we came in here and won a couple games, and I don't think we swung the bat as good as we possibly could have. Whether there was some, some you know, anxiety or just overall excitement, I don't know. But you saw little glimpses of it from time to time, and you saw some things that these guys are capable of doing with manufacturing a run. So Corbin gets a base hit, steals a couple bases. You know, we have a playbook. You guys know what it is. You guys know what we've been talking about all, all um, spring training long, and we're starting to execute it. We, we try to keep some things in the bag, and we did, but um, you know, we're still going to keep forcing the force plays and, and making plays happen, and that's what Corbin did. Yeah, I think a lot of people were hoping for that fast offensive start, hard against a team like the Dodgers with mm-hmm. all the pitching that they have, but some of the regulars struggling throughout the weekend. I mean, Alec Thomas and Josh Rojas combined to go 0 for 16 in L.A. Yeah. That won't continue, but, uh, you know, y- 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 the Diamondbacks don't have a lot of wiggle room for for, for winning cl- no. quiet offensive no. games. No, and one of the guys that I think is really, to me, uh, the sleeper candidate had a huge moment, I think. Uh, yeah. I, th- I think the whole series turned on that. Kyle Lewis, that eighth inning Friday night. Diamondbacks yeah. used three consecutive pinch hitters in the inning. Kyle Lewis hits a two-run homer that kind of really pulled the rug out underneath the Dodgers in that game and, and maybe even kind of stabilized the Diamondbacks a little bit. And, and th- this is a kid that I think really is he's a lottery ticket for this team. And he's off to a really good start. He had a really good spring. Don't know if he's going to sustain it, but if he does, they might have found something really good in that kid. Yeah, it's officially baseball season. Yeah. It happened early this year because uh, when the, the lineup was released on Thursday for the opener, Diamondbacks fans were already complaining online. Well, because Corbin <laughs> Carroll was batting seventh, people were like, what? <laughs> well, you're facing a left-handed starter on opening day. And but, not just any left-handed and not, starter. Right. One of the toughest in baseball yeah, in, right. in, in Arias. Julio Arias, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I, you're right. You're right. It's And that's that's one of the joys of having a good uh, baseball team or one with expectations is managerial moves, they get, they get intensified. Lineups get intensified. Yeah, when you've got no expectations and you have not real much, much in terms of hope, yeah. uh, people don't care. 
So when they care, no, that's they, a good that's sign. That's exactly When they right. care enough to complain. Well, they already care. Listen, I, people are already screaming, get mad, bum out of the rotation. What are you doing? Haven't you seen enough yet? Come on, you've got young pitchers. Are you not serious about winning game? Where are you? What are you doing with this? Yeah. And then the next time somebody on a heater gets the day off, it's going to be holy hell for Tori Lovello again. We'll expand on that a little bit later All on right. in the show, but um, you're right. Just to, to kind of plant that seed and come back to it later. This is not the same situation that the Diamondbacks are in with a struggling Madison Bumgarner for three years, where I think in 2020, in the shortened season, mm-hmm. and 21 and 22, they felt obligated, both financially mm-hmm. and maybe out of desperation, to put him out there every fifth day. Yep. They're not in that situation anymore. No, and they can't be. No. And so, in this, so they had to send Madison Bumgarner home to check out his arm because of that declining velocity. I... I yeah I I think now is the time has come to pull that plug, but we're going to find out. I totally agree with you. D-backs uh, will take on the Padres tonight. First look at, at San Diego at Petco Park in a game you can hear here on the Arizona Sports app and 98.7. You can also text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, college women's basketball became appointment viewing over the weekend. We'll get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I get to coach at an institution that is internationally known. Those three letters, LSU, there's no mistake what they stand for. Louisiana State University. That is the voice of Kim Mulkey, LSU head women's basketball coach, and Jarrett Carlin's uh, female fashion counterpart. Oh, how about that? Yeah. If Jarrett Carlin was a national championship winning female basketball coach, <laughs> he would dress like Kim Mulkey. Yes. And I think that's why he tuned in over the weekend. We didn't need the big setup if, 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 if. Yeah, I already right. dressed like her. You yes. do. That Not is, enough feathers. Yeah. yeah Not enough feathers. you got to incorporate that into your wardrobe yeah. in 2023. LSU beats Iowa in the uh, women's Final Four final in Dallas, 102-85. Uh, in a game and a, and a weekend, Friday night, the semifinal set records for viewing. The mm-hmm. second game between Iowa and South Carolina. My experience with that game, Bic, was I, I was... I, weirded out that I was not at a son's home game. So I'm like, I, I, I have to watch the game. So I went to a sports bar to watch the game in mm-hmm. Vegas on Friday night. All right. And yes, it was just like Phoenix. I had to ask them to put it on the TVs. Mm, of course. The giant TV and a big crowd in the sports bar to watch the game with the sound on was the Iowa-South Carolina game, which was a riveting game because South Carolina had been undefeated. Caitlin Clark going mm-hmm. off, having a big game. This uh, this is a, a watershed moment, I think, for for women's college basketball in this country. Yeah, listen, we, we've we've been saying it for years now. The the improvements in the game, the level of play, the quality of play, the quality of athletes, the quality of all of it, it has been um, on the uptick, on the rise for years and years and years. And, and I think it all crested over the weekend. That that game you talked about, that South Carolina upset, uh, that the peak number was six point six million viewers in that game. That's on a Friday night. That's a gigantic number. The number they pulled against Louisville... 
2.49 Louisville, 2.49 million more than any other NBA game on ESPN this regular season. So something was happening this weekend, and there were a lot of things that kind of coalesced and converged together in this championship game. I had more people reach out to me, just friends, people in my life, who, hey, you watching the women's championship game on Sunday? Because we are, we, we're, we're, we're booking out the time. That's what we're doing at 12.30 on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Where are you? What are you? The, the level of just curiosity slash interest to me was awesome. It was stunning. Well, it was crazy. This is somewhere where maybe th- this result, I think, is something behind you know closed doors and office doors in Bristol, Connecticut. The decision makers at ESPN are patting themselves on the back because this was a season in the making for Caitlin Clark. Mm-hmm. She got a lot of run during the regular season on Sports Center because she was doing historic things, obviously. But they really had a spotlight on Caitlin Clark the whole season, mm-hmm. so it led to this. You know, you're watching Sports Center, you're seeing Caitlin Clark. Oh, by oh that, you know that that Iowa guard that's lighting it up. She's playing for the you know, Final Four in the national championship. The casual fan tuned in, mm-hmm. so it was. This was a season-long process, in my opinion. So credit to them. Yeah, and so and so a lot of stuff came down out of that game yesterday that was <laughs> fascinating. There were complaints about an official and how could you call a technical on on this superstar persona that is driving these numbers at the moment. Yeah, and, and for something so benign, something too. that benign. So here we go again with a big sporting event being overly officious, right? Yes, and, and then you've got LSU's Angel Reese who did the "You can't see me." gesture right back pointing at, at the ring Clark, finger pointing at the ring finger then a lot of people are like well where's the class in that and so i i think by drawing casual fans it also drew a lot of weirdness and a lot of strange reactions that almost bordered bordered on racial at times yesterday yes and it, but it, that's also a sign that it's arriving i agree when it's about yeah. more than the game and you have this this contentiousness back and forth, and Angel Reese backed it up. She's like, "Hey, you guys were saying I was, I was too street, too hood all season. That, yeah, that's just mm-hmm. who I am. Yeah, accept me for who I am. Yeah." And on the flip side of it, Caitlin Clark talks a lot of trash. A lot, <laughs> a lot of trash. Yeah, yeah the the idea that the, the idea that Angel Reese is getting any backlash at all, I think, is really ridiculous to me. It's yes. really, really, really it's. It, but you know what it is? It's kind of like it. it all, I I hearken this back. It almost felt to me. And again, I I apologize for the whiteness of this comparison, but it felt like Larry Bird in the championship game way back when against Magic Johnson, mm-hmm. when there were these narratives that people just clung to and just, I, I mean, lived inside of. And the disappointment when Indiana State that year didn't win, people didn't know what to do with their disappointment because the narrative had gotten destroyed. And that was kind of what happened yesterday. Um, but uh, what a great moment for women's basketball to draw that kind of number. And in a year when the men's tournament has been so parody driven, so less than marquee names, if you you will. You had three teams in the final four who, let's be honest, unless they might not ever sniff that again. That's a good point. It was just this convergence of events that that happened. Yeah. And and everybody expects tonight's game to be another blowout for UConn. So all the excitement's been hovering over the women's game, and it's what a what a moment. I'm curious what you what you thought of everything, Sarah. Oh, favorite tournament that I've watched in a long, long time. I thought the hubbub over Angel Reese. 
was unwarranted. Um, like you guys said, Caitlin Clark is a massive trash talker, and I think she is someone who understands if you dish it, you have to take it. Mm-hmm. Um, Angel Reese also did the pointing at the ring finger thing when they won the Elite Eight game to get them to the Final Four. So she has been doing this for a minute. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter that Caitlin Clark was the other person uh, in, in front of her. And if you really, really want to get mad, direct your anger at Haley Van Lith. She's the biggest trash talker in the game right now. I love it, though. Yeah. From uh, from Louisville, right? Yes, from yeah. Louisville. Uh-huh. Yes, which don't direct your anger at her. I think it's great. I also think it's ridiculous that fans expect women not to be trash talkers yeah. or to be a yeah. little bit well, more exactly. demure. Exactly. Did yeah. we get mad when Kobe trash talked? Right. That, Did we yeah, get mad so when right MJ trash talked? You're so right no, about that. You're right. The, the fact that that kind of gets ladled on top of what we saw yesterday. Oh, well, what what kind of girl are you if you can't lose with grace? <laughs> cool, be classy. Yeah, yeah no. That's, they're dogs. No, they're right. competitors. And that's what you want. Exactly. Clark. Ex- uh, right. <laughs> on the officiating point, I yeah. hated that call. So did I. So if anything, I, call a delay a game. If anything, hand out a warning. But the other part of the which really has infuriated me for years in both the women's game and the men's game. A technical foul is just that. It shouldn't go on your ledger as a personal foul. That's what bothered me. There's a reason why they have different names. Mm-hmm. Why can't they change that rule? Because so college stupid. basketball is stupid. I mean, and, and how stupid is it that the women's game plays by quarters and the men's game still plays with halves? Yeah, and how there's so many people in that? the men's game that are calling for the hypocrisy of that, and Jay Billis has been among them saying, oh, there's, you know, there's too much revenue tied into the format. And... You know, it was years ago because the women used to play two halves as well, and they were the experiment for the four quarters mm-hmm. uh, format. And I think they thought, ah, we'll give it a shot and see what happens. It was such a big success; they've kept it for years. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I like think five years now. I think yeah, I think that uh, it might be longer than that. But th- there's egg on the face of the, of the decision makers in the men's game now because they didn't yeah. think that experiment was going to work. Yeah, and and so so to me, I think this is great because uh, Caitlin Clark became a phenomenon not because of the color of her skin, in my opinion. It, it's yeah. her game. It, I mean, oh, she shoots sick. long distance like Steph Curry. Um, her ability to pass the basketball is outstanding. She is going to light it up in the WNBA. Biggest single tournament for a player, men or women. She had 191 points in the tournament and 60 assists. That's better than any men's or women's player. One more thing I want to point out before Mm -hmm. we go. Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark, among some other big stars, will be back in the college game next year. They're not old enough to declare for the draft. There's a a rule in the WNBA. You've got to be 22 years old the calendar year that you go to the league. So they're both back. And I think this is only going to mean huge growth, huge excitement, hu- big, bigger interest in the game. The, the biggest Moving winner forward. in that is women's college basketball, obviously. Yeah. For 22 sure. for women, and what is it, 11 for men? <laughs> right. <laughs> I know, but that NIL money is going to be nice. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Definitely true. Uh, coming up next, the Arizona Cardinals. We're getting closer and closer to the draft, and that means there's more and more rumors about what could happen at number three. We'll get into some of the latest next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings on this Monday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.